Thanks for tuning in to Tax Strategy Digest, where we explore the fascinating world of finance. Join us as we dive into the stories, insights, and experiences of experts, thought leaders, and everyday people who are making a difference in this field. Through engaging conversations and thought-provoking discussions, we'll take a deep dive into the latest research, trends, and innovations shaping finance. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn something new on this journey here with us. Welcome to this episode of Tax Strategy Digest. Today, our guest is Mike Downey. Mike is a farm succession expert, farm owner, and passive real estate investor who helps others do the same. Mike, thanks for joining me on this episode today. Yeah, thank you so much, Paul. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, me too. Why don't you get started here? Tell us your story. You bet. Um, I'm born and raised on a farm, West Central Illinois, and uh, basically, uh, did not have the opportunity to go back to my family farm. I can still remember back in the late 90s, 2000, when I was uh, coming out of uh, college, getting my ag degree at the time, that the price of corn was about $1.80 a bushel. And, uh, you know, so in retro, you know, in comparison for your listeners that uh, that doesn't mean anything to, you know, today the price of corn is, you know, trending between four and $5 a bushel. So, but, so the opportunity for me to go back to my family farm at the time just wasn't real strong. It was already supporting a couple families. And my first job took me to Eastern Iowa, where I'm still at today. I worked in the farm management, farm real estate profession for a number of years. And then um, took along the way, took an interest in more transition planning, uh, specifically working with family farms on their estate and transition legacy planning. And that's... Uh, where my day-to-day passions lie. And then uh, things have come a little bit full circle. My wife and I uh, own and operate a small family farm. And I work, we work back and forth with her cousin who uh, farms the farms where she was raised and where we live here in Eastern Iowa. So now we get to expose our kids to farming and agriculture and livestock and all of that fun stuff. Awesome. And uh, what got you so passionate? Was it having the family farm kind of growing up? Definitely. You know, it's there's kind of sayings in our industry that it's just you either have it or you don't. It's in your blood. You know, it's just a, it's almost difficult sometimes to explain to, to those that are maybe a little more removed from agriculture. But where the legacy really hits home for me is actually just recently this year at the state Iowa State Fair, my Downey family farm was recognized as one of the 150 year heritage farms. Uh, so Michael and Timothy Downey homesteaded our family farm back in 1872. So, you know, I'm fifth generation, my kids will be six. So that's where uh, I think a lot of that comes where my passions is trying to help others do the same and pass their farm down to the next generation. That's awesome. And how do your kids feel about the farming? Do they like to get their hands dirty? Oh, yeah. You know, they're 10 and seven, but they're old yeah. enough. You know, I can still have memories from the farm I grew up when I was their ages, you know, and, you know, we have some hay bales that they like to go jump on the row of hay bales and run back and forth and jump across and, you know, just uh, again, uh, trying to use their imagination and keep them off some of the electronical distractions that seem to be everywhere around us. Definitely. And what are um this is kind of off topic now straying back but um what are some of the things with the succession planning that you find um you know a lot of people are struggling with right now 
with um, maybe they're trying to sell their uh, their real estate, their land, their farm, and they just don't have someone who is comfortable operating it. Is that a is that a big problem? Yeah, that's such a a big can of worms that you know we can go down so many different rabbit holes, if you will. But because uh, that's uh, you know it's we could talk about tax law that unfortunately drives our as a general rule the advice we're given from the legal community. You know because of capital gains and getting step up in basis of assets. And I know you, I think work with folks and it with some strategies there to help manage that. And, uh, but, you know, from a bigger picture standpoint on succession planning is a lot of people maybe want to get started. They just don't know where to go. They don't understand the options. Um, I spent a lot of my time talking about, we need more young farmers to come back to the farm, but, the practitioners out there tell me the same thing, the attorneys, accountants, bankers, you know, whoever it is in the industry that they need more young people to come back to, you know, carry on their businesses and have their own secession plans. So, you know, where to go to get advice for people that actually specialize in these areas is another dilemma for folks that uh, we run across. So tell me about Next Generation AG Advocates. Yeah, Next Gen Ag, that's founded by two Iowa farmers um, that really just have a, a similar passion as I do for agriculture, wanting to see the integrity of the family farm preserved in the future, which is a concern as we continue to see more consolidation in our industry, you know, fewer and bigger farms, you know, so just preserving what that family farm is and what it'll look like in the future. And so, yeah, we're, we're consultants that we work with 40 to 50 operations on average every year, each of us. So we see a lot of strategies that work well. And uh, unfortunately, the strategies that don't work so well. So we just try to leverage those to help others understand what their options are. And we kind of kind of go along with it from start to finish with them and, you know, have several meetings with them and their family, their tax advisors. And, uh, you know, eventually the goal is to meet with an attorney to, to, uh, you know, draft all the legal documents based on what it is they want to implement. And what are some of the big concerns that a lot of the clients you're working with have? So obviously, you know, uh, taxes can drive a lot of estate planning. You know, I also do a fair amount of work in Illinois, um, which has uh, is just one of a few states that has its own estate tax and it has a lower threshold. So, you know, estate tax that concern drives a lot of planning more so in Illinois than other states like Iowa that does not have an, a state tax. They just have to worry about the federal exemption, which, as you know, is is pretty high right now. So right. Uh, as a percentage basis, there's relatively smaller amount of farmers I work with that have to really worry about federal estate tax right now. But there is the potential sunset looming in a couple of years. But I think more so than not is just trying to figure out the the buzzword of fair versus equal between families. And if we have some kids on the farm working with us versus others, another big dilemma that we're seeing, um, which we think could be the future of farm transition um, and kind of another reason what prompted next gen is we have a, a program where we sp specifically work with retiring farmers that do not have a successor. 
And uh, one of our founders is one of those who who has children, but there's none of them were were farming involved in the day to day. And it's estimated here in Iowa, for example, that 68% of farmers do not have children who farm. And uh, about half of those have not identified a successor to carry on the farm. So that's, we see a fair amount of transition occurring between non-related families. And so we're trying to act as a facilitator of that, a third party to help, uh, you know, help people with those types of transitions. Wow. Do you guys match them um, just based off of personalities? What are the things that you look for? Yeah, I'm working with three or four right now, uh, retiring farmers that have, have asked us to, you know, go out there and try to find, you know, obviously it's important to identify what everybody's goals are and personalities. And uh, we do have a matching program where folks, you know, aspiring or younger producers can sign up with us as we have these opportunities. Sometimes people kind of already know who they want to transition to. They just want a third party to help figure it out. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, matching up similar philosophies for farming, um, the, you know, the personalities, like you mentioned, the financial parts, very important with farming is a very capital intense business. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just all the little other things from having support from your spouse and, um, the, the time required to, to farm, you know, is not a typical eight to five type of job and, uh, all of those types of details as well. And what percentage of farms do you think are going to be transitioning over the next 10, 20, 30 years? So, yeah, great question. You know, just uh, there were some surveys just um, released recently here in Iowa, and I think it's similar demographics or trends in other states that, you know, the age of the landowner and the age of the farmer are both the oldest ever in history, you know, and some are looking at the next 10 to 15 years, they're calling it the great farm transfer, uh, transfer of wealth that's going to occur because, you know, over a third of farmland here is owned by those 75 years or older. Wow. And uh, so pretty remarkable when you look at this transfer that's going to occur from one generation to the next. So, you know, hu- definitely a huge need. Um, not all of those farms or assets are going to get sold, you know, but Hopefully we have strong proactive strategies in place to minimize uh, the wealth that folks have generated their whole farming career that doesn't leak away from estate or transfer costs or other fees that they their estates can incur. And tell me a little bit about um, farm-raised capital. Does that have anything to do with the um, the next-gen ag or is that completely separate? So it is a different entity. That's a newer yeah. entity entity that my wife and I have actually put together here uh, just in the last year. Um, so this has probably been, aside from, you know, leaving a good uh, job in the industry five, six years ago, it's probably been one of the, you know, tougher decisions to roll this out, to tell our story that, you know, our passion is farms and farmland and helping family farms. But Quite frankly, we've personally been investing in commercial real estate the last 15 years, which has helped us create some other supplemental income. And um, But it just occurred to me over the last couple of years, and what really sprung this is I was asked to give a, a talk to a group of farmers 
over the subject of should farmers invest off the farm. And I didn't know, quite frankly, Paul, if I was going to get booed out of that room because, uh, <laughs> you know, as a general rule, uh, farmers, the ag community were not well diversified, if you will. Um, we invest everything into the farm or we might have a little retirement uh, account with a local financial advisor. But uh, I was really shocked how much that buzzword has resonated with the ag community diversification. And uh, not everybody like my wife and I are excited about having all our eggs in the stock market. You know, we self-direct a large portion of our IRAs into alternative real estate investments. And uh, so that's really what prompted Farm Raised. The, the, we're building out a community for others, farmers, ag professionals out there like us that uh, want to just learn together about these different alternatives for investing, perhaps invest together. Uh, we've had a couple opportunities this year that we've done that. And we basically, it's a way for a lot of the everyday individuals like us to participate in the same economics and economies of scale that, you know, some, sometimes people think about only the ultra wealthy can participate in. And so what are some of those current real estate assets that you're um, maybe you're both active in as GPs, as general partners, and also your passive, like you mentioned with your IRAs? Yes. Yeah. That's what really got started. Uh, that's where we first found the, the word syndication okay. where we, uh, like others, when I first heard that word, I'm like, I just kind of brushed it off. That, that sounds like something that just the, the ultra wealthy participate in or institutional type funds and pension funds and whatnot, but really it's not, nothing too complicated. It's no different than, uh, some recent press here locally that, there's a group of uh, professional athletes that have pulled together their funds to buy farmland. It's no different than us in the ag space pulling our funds together to invest in other assets, you know, as part of a larger group or a syndication. And uh, so, you know, I personally, there's all kinds of alternative investments that you can invest in, um, not just real estate, but I'm always, I'm, I've always been a real estate type of person. And when I look at, you know, how assets like multifamily, um, self-storage, those types of assets that are kind of out of sight, out of mind, everybody needs a roof. Um, seems like they hold up well in recession, uh, from a risk standpoint, I would argue are less risky over time than putting all your eggs in the stock market, which, uh, quite frankly, I don't understand. So, uh, so that's where, uh, We've really spent a lot of time now vetting the real estate operators out there that are, you know, uh, have the track record experience, the boots on the ground uh, for these type of opportunities and strong areas that hopefully check all the boxes that you want, like for job growth and demand for housing and, and so forth. So that's uh, that's where we've been, you know, spending a lot of our focus. So are a lot of the investors for farm raised capital, are they farmers who are looking to invest outside of the farm so diversify a little bit yeah i mean that's basically what prompted it because uh you know every farm i work with is concerned about how to transfer the farm and estate taxes but uh every farm i work with also um just the, the world we live in um relies on some supplemental income from off the farm that could be a spouse working or we're coming up with other enterprises to support the operation. 
Um, and but this is a way to do it without requiring your time that you can passively invest. And uh, whether you know whatever the motives are for that particular person, whether it's the passive income, the tax benefits. As a general rule, um, farmers don't like to pay taxes, just like uh, most people in America. Um, <laughs> so you know, you know, commercial real estate. Uh, I love land, but the, the one disadvantage of land is it's not depreciable. Whereas investing in more commercial assets offers some nice tax write-offs to offset other farm income. And then again, just that big buzzword I mentioned before, just diversifying, you know, uh, uh, you know, into other assets that's not the farm, not the land, not the stock market. So generally, what is the level of investment required how how much do people need to invest if they're looking to reach out to you at farm raise capital so yeah great question Every, these different opportunities that we've found um that other again the uh, real estate operators are sponsoring um you know sometimes those have a higher you know the the last one was kind of represented as 400,000 but if farm raise comes in as a group and we manage our own investors, we can kind of set those where we want. And so, you know, a lot of those have been a $50,000 minimum. In some cases, uh, we've had people even team up together, uh, you know, to, to meet that, you know, to just allow them to get started. And uh, cause sometimes that's the barrier of entry is just that, uh, you know, first getting started in that first one, but, when folks are looking at the barrier of entry to buy a farm today at record high prices, um, you know, sometimes these types of um, alternatives look attractive to folks in the, in the ag, ag industry. So I want to take a quick uh, full, I guess, 180 here. I noticed a, a couple books behind you um, and I noticed Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, a lot of people I've been talking to lately have talked to me about how that book absolutely changed their life. And I was wondering if it did the same for you. Yeah, it was really 2008 that, um, you know, our financial crisis of 2008. Um, not that I had a huge, huge nest egg yet at that point in my career, but it was enough to uh, like get my attention. And uh, I'd ask my financial advisor at the time, you know, what else should we be doing or looking at? and Basically, the the comment I heard was just don't worry about it, Mike. You're young. You've got time on your side. Stay the course. And I just uh, got a little frustrated over that. So that's when I really started, you know, um, looking around, self-educating, reading books. And in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a lot of folks in real estate, that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. That up to that point in my life, I was just kind of following the herd, the, you know, the whatever analogy you want to make and just kind of doing what you're expected to go to get to school, get a degree, and you invest, get a job and buy a house, start a family. And that's when uh, I really started realizing that, you know, my job that I thought was the safe and secure might've been one of my riskiest thing I had in my life in case if something happened to me or I lost my job, something happened to that company, whatever the case might be. So, uh, so yeah, that's really, really started our journey ourselves to, you know, and we started with a single family home, like a lot of folks, and then it just uh, kind of started and developed from there. What are uh, what are some of your favorite other books? I noticed there's a big stack back there, other than Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
Yeah, you know, another one that was impactful for me is called Halftime. Um, I think that's written by Bob uh, Buford. And uh, that's when, you know, I was working a, a job that I enjoyed. Um, um, but something was missing. And my wife at the time thought I was just going through a mid midlife crisis. And uh, but really, that book, you know, basically says at some point you get to a you know, you spend the first half of your career being successful, but at some point something's missing and you're looking for more, how to make more of an impact and be more, uh, living a life of more fulfillment. And that's where I think, uh, I was sort of being guided toward what I do today and helping specifically family farms with their transition planning and preserving their legacies. And, and, uh, but that, you know, one comment, or statement that book had is if you don't make a major life career change by the time you're 45 years old, you're probably never going to do it. And I think at the time I was about 40 years old. So uh, that helped me uh, kind of over the hump, if you will, making, you know, some big decisions when we had young children and a, a two-year-old at home to leave a job to start your own business. Definitely. And I notice uh, as well, you got the kids in the background, they're 10 and seven, like you mentioned earlier. What is one piece of advice that you hope that they um, they can hear from you and, and take with them for the rest of their life? Oh, boy. <laughs> I know we got a little deep real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, one thing I want, you know, and again, this is from right from rich dad, poor dad too. And what he speaks to and what he's dedicated a lot of his life to is uh, providing financial education that a lot of us, and I don't believe they are up to this point are getting in schools. And, uh, you know, so that's, you know, I don't know if that's really the advice I'm trying to give them, but I'm at least going to try to educate them on that and uh, just other things, you know, to, hopefully allow them to do something that they enjoy doing instead of starting their careers from school and just going to do something that they're expected to do. Got it. So really just following their passions and and making a life out of that instead of, you know, doing what they think they should do with, you know, going to school, getting a job and working nine to five, if that's not what they truly love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you still have to pay the bills and, and, uh, I just wrote a story about about money and a family farm situation I was in, but you know, just the the topic of money that we take for granted every day that we it's a a necessity, but you know, sometimes it leads to other problems and we see that in family farm transitions too. Well, I've been having a blast, Mike. I do always want to ask one final question here um before the end of the podcast. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you, um, you know, work every day, farm raise capital? What what makes this, you know, your your passion project? You know, that's actually a question I have an easier time to answer, just because I've invested so much time into that, um, rolling out the farm raised website, and which has now prompted me to, in the process of redoing and updating next gen's website is uh you know who we really are you know some other books i've read are you know uh, story brand you know knowing what your brand is what your niche you know what your why actually is and and for me just 
with my deep ag roots. It's basically just to help other farmers and, and ag professionals out there, you know, grow, diversify, preserve, and, you know, transition their legacies that they want to leave for their families. Perfect. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. If someone wants to reach out to you, Mike, how should they do that? You bet. Yeah. Best place to to find, uh, you know, on the transition planning side of things, that's at uh, nextgenag.us. And if you're interested in joining our uh, our farm raised community, you know, looking at uh, alternative and investments and uh, pooling funds together there, that's at farmraisedcapital.com. Perfect. Well, Mike, again, thanks so much for joining in. And uh, until we talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paul.